Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Cash Clarity. I'm your host, Abby Nerderman, and I'm happy that you're listening today because I'm reviewing the backbone of your bookkeeping system and how it can save your sanity and keep you from having money problems down the road. I chose this topic because a broken bookkeeping system or a partially functioning system will cause a plague of problems, potentially causing cash flow mistakes or bad decisions that end up costing lots of money. We all know that bookkeeping is important to our business success, so we want to make sure the crucial mechanics, the vital pieces are in place for a bookkeeping system that works. We want our processes and systems to feel like a well-oiled machine, so at the end of the workday, we feel like doing some fist pumps and giving some high fives and seeing some Montel Jordan. I'm kind of buzzed and it's all because this is how we do it. You're not necessarily a bookkeeping expert. Yeah, you know a thing or two, but you got into business because you're good at what you do and you're passionate about serving your clients by providing your expertise, knowledge, and skills. And any bookkeeping knowledge you do have has been self-study and bootstrapped together. Now, you might be thinking, I have no idea what to look for. It's going to be hard work and long hours for me to troubleshoot. Or you might be feeling something just seems a little bit off, like you can't quite put your finger on it. Our bookkeeping system should be set up in such a way that we can set it and forget it. Only checking in on it on occasion and that checkup should be easy. Let me tell you a story. I once did a bookkeeping rescue project for a client where this individual had been doing their bookkeeping on their own for years. They felt like they were doing an okay job, and they were. They were at least staying on top of it regularly, and they were fairly organized and able to locate all of their supporting financial documents, like uh, receipts and invoices. But they had this nagging feeling like something was being missed. They, They had reason to believe that they couldn't be fully confident in their financial reports. And that doubt slowly snowballed into a huge feeling of stress that just couldn't be shaken. So that's why they called me. And when I came in and reviewed their bookkeeping, I caught the subtle problem in their system set up that affects all aspects of their financials. It was the chart of accounts. Now, I'm really going to dive into what that is here in a minute, but to finish the story, they had way too many accounts listed, and many of those accounts were either vague or confusing or completely the opposite. They were overly specific. Today's lesson is all about the chart of accounts, which I just mentioned, and in case I use the acronym later on in the episode, it's also known as the COA. I'm going to try really hard to stick to chart of accounts because COA is kind of the, the industry lingo, and I really try and not do that on the podcast, so just FYI, I may say COA at some point. <laughs> Okay, you may have heard this term chart of accounts um, from a bookkeeper or an accountant. You may have seen it inside of your accounting software, or maybe today on the podcast is the first time you've heard it. But it's normally something you only ever think about when you first start your bookkeeping. And only occasionally a new situation or an odd situation will occur in which you need to make an adjustment or add something to the chart of accounts. When we think about bookkeeping, it's the system for setting up and maintaining your books. And to give you a full picture of the chart of accounts, which is part of your bookkeeping setup, I'm going to step forward 
and demonstrate how it's used for maintaining your books, then come back and define what it is. The first step in the bookkeeping process is a sale or a purchase or, or even a trade agreement happens. Money either in real life or on paper has changed hands or moved around in some way. And that event is usually marked by um, or documented by some kind of invoice or receipt or maybe some other kind of record. And when that transaction takes place, it gets entered into what's called the general ledger. And what you enter there is the date the transaction happened, what type of transaction it was, like a receipt or an invoice or something, um, a reference number if it has one. You'll list out the name of the customer or the vendor of which the money is trading places with. And then you'll put in a memo or description of what the transaction was. And of course, the amount, we can't forget the amount of the transaction. And then there's two accounts that you'll note on the general ledger. And if you're doing this in software, it's all kind of behind the scenes and in the fancy little forms. So you're not thinking about it in these terms, but this is what's happening. So you choose two accounts. And the first one is going to be where the money lives either before or after the transaction takes place. So this is usually a cash account, like a checking or a savings account. And then the other account you choose is usually related to some kind of activity. Um, so like an expense or an income account. And sometimes um, both accounts are a money lives sort of account, for example, a transfer. So say you're moving money from a checking account to a savings account or a checking account to a credit card. So, so those are some examples uh, of different kinds of accounts that you'll choose when you're entering a transaction into the general ledger. The two accounts that you assign to each transaction are listed out in the chart of accounts. And this is true for all of your transactions. So it collects all of those accounts in one place. The chart of accounts is essentially a long list of possible accounts or, or categories, if you will, that you use for your bookkeeping and accounting. The chart of account categories are then dropped in and organized inside of your financial reports, like your balance sheet and your income statement, otherwise known as your P&L. In most cases, each transaction will hit one account from each your balance sheet and your profit and loss. Now, the balance sheet is a snapshot in time where your assets live, otherwise known as things you own, and where your liabilities also live, so things that you owe. The income statement, or the P&L, is where your financial activity lives, showing money that you made or money that you spent during a set period of time. So for example, you make a sale, that amount posts to income. Or you buy a printer toner, and that amount posts to office supplies. And another example is you auto pay your internet bill, and that amount posts to utilities. Those are all, all income statement or profit and loss statement categories. On the other hand, for the balance sheet, using those same examples, the income either posts to accounts receivable, undeposited funds, or straight to a bank account. The office supplies was paid for with a credit card, or the utilities on auto pay were paid with your checking account. Now, less frequently, a transaction will hit two balance sheet accounts or two P&L accounts. Um, examples would be 
a transfer between bank accounts. This would be two balance sheet accounts. Money moving from accounts receivable to undeposited funds to a bank account. Those are all balance sheet accounts too. Or maybe you do a trade agreement. So say, for example, you're a business coach and you make an agreement with a lawyer. You provide them some kind of coaching service, which you would put in as income. And in exchange, the lawyer would provide some legal advice on something and that would go to an expense like professional fees. So both of the income and the professional fees would be on your profit and loss statement. That's basically the nuts and bolts of the chart of accounts. It's a long list of possible accounts or categories used in your bookkeeping and accounting. If we take a step back, do you remember the stories told at the beginning of the episode? The client doing their own bookkeeping moderately well on their own and they turned out to have chart of account problems. So they had three, three big problems that I noted. So the first being too many accounts in the chart of accounts, two, either vague or confusing accounts being used, and three, accounts just being too specific. So let's dive into each of these COA problems in a little bit more detail. These are mostly contained to the activity accounts seen on the profit and loss. I I don't see these problems fester inside of the balance sheet too often. Um, It's usually related to the income statement. So... Problem number one is having too many accounts. It's possible to have the opposite problem of not having enough accounts, but it's rare. I I hardly ever see it. And it tends to be um, a human tendency to create too many accounts and over-categorize. When you have too many accounts, it makes it really hard to be consistent in coding or categorizing your transactions, which makes comparing financials for different time periods apples to oranges. It also makes your financial reports really long and hard to read in general, which makes it difficult to understand your past and current performance. Then making decisions based on your reports feels like a bit of a guessing game. And it also makes filing your tax return confusing and more time consuming. You kind of have to like puzzle piece in these categories that you've used throughout the year and fit it into what needed on the tax forms. Problem number two with chart of accounts is having vague or confusing accounts. And what I mean by this is the chosen label for the account can be interpreted in a number of ways or it can mean different things to different people. Examples of a vague account titles are business expenses, other expenses, miscellaneous income, Compared to examples of really clear and specific account titles, those are utilities, office supplies, insurance. When you use vague headings, it makes it very difficult for outsiders to read your financials, which could make it hard to apply for a loan or bring in an investor or or form a partnership. In all these cases, it could hurt your marketability or lower the perceived value of your business. Problem number three is the opposite of problem number two, and that is having overly specific account titles. So this chart of accounts problem is the one I see the most of, and it's what contributes to problem number one of having too many accounts. 
What we don't want to happen is for there to be accounts living out there in your chart of accounts that only have a limited number of possibilities for transactions that could happen. For example, having accounts such as electricity, water, natural gas, waste removal, telephone, and so on. Instead of having all of those, it's better to have one account capture all of that and just name it utilities and go for it. It makes things cleaner, it makes things simpler, and it makes your financial reports a whole lot easier to read. It also reduces time that you spend making decisions when entering the data into your bookkeeping system. When you're creating or editing your chart of accounts, I recommend using the tax form that you file your return on as a guideline. So for a sole proprietor or a pass-through entity, this would be your Schedule C on Form 1040. And in the show notes, I've put a link to that and a few other really common ones. So make sure you grab that. That's at goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash 015. There's about 20 or so accounts, which provides a nice starting framework. Using this method to create your chart of accounts also really helps at tax time when you file your return. So now I want you to go look at your chart of accounts and ask yourself, are your account titles vague or confusing? Are they overly specific? Do I have too many accounts? And if you answered yes to any of these questions, questions, then I want you to go and take corrective action right away by using your tax return income reporting form as a guide. If you don't, you'll continue to wonder if something's missing or wrong, which could mean spending extra time on your bookkeeping or just making bad cash flow decisions. Instead, if you clean up your chart of accounts, then you'll possibly win back some time avoid costly business decisions, and just gain some sanity and peace of mind. Now that we're at the end of the episode, you should be able to recognize symptoms of common chart of accounts problems and know why they're happening. I hope you come back for the next episode because I'm going to talk about credit card fraud and how to handle it if it happens to you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show where you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to be featured in a listener shout out in a future Cash Clarity episode, please leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.